It's time now for Spears on Sports with John Spears, presented by M&M Carnage. And now, here's Johnny. Ah, made it to Thursday. Made it to a new month. Happy September, everybody. It is Thursday, September 1. There's a chill in the air. No, there's not. Still going to be 90 degrees tomorrow during the Big X golf scramble at Elk Run. But college football week one starts tonight. With apologies to week zero, I still think that's a slap in the face to all those teams that played last week. Week one begins tonight. Three games involving top 25 teams, and that doesn't even include Penn State at Purdue, where I will be leaving immediately after the show, heading to West Lafayette. I'm going to go to as many games as I can go to this year. YOLO. I'm not getting any younger. A friend of mine told me the other day, you got to do what you can do while you can do it. So I'm starting the season at Purdue tonight. By the way, I will give you the winner of that game. The unsponsored six-pack is back. And I will give you six college football winners this weekend. I only gave you one out of six in week zero, but it was week zero, so it doesn't really count, right? One in five. I'm going to be a stand-up guy, and you know it's going to be reflected on my overall record. Not a great start. I hope you had Nevada with me. I hope you bet against me with everybody else last week. Eminem Cartage Hotline is open, 384-1450. 384-1450 if you'd like to join in on the conversation. Tell me where I'm wrong on these picks. Or go ahead and suggest who I should pick because my mind's not really made up. It's only a, you know, I'm only 35 minutes, 40 minutes away from picking them, but I don't know who I'm picking yet. Thornton's text line is open as well, 502-414-1450. Don't forget, Summer Cash Bash continues at Thornton's. Each week, one lucky Refreshing Rewards member wins $10,000 all summer long with the grand prize of a 2022 Chevy Tahoe. Two steps here. Open your Refreshing Rewards app. That's step one. Click on the Summer Cash Bash icon. That is step two. You literally have to push your phone twice to be entered. Right? Open the app. Click on the icon. That's it. You can earn additional entries by purchasing select top brands like Bud Light 12-packs, Mountain Dew 20-ounce bottles, hot dogs, large Doritos, many more using your Refreshing Rewards card. That's Thornton's Summer Cash Bash. Not a Refreshing Rewards member? Become one today. Text REWARDS to 80313. And hit me up on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. John Hale. Lexington Herald leader, beat writer for UK football, will join me in about 15 minutes. We will uh, get ready for Kentucky's home opener, season opener against Miami of Ohio out of the Mid-American Conference this week. Got a lot of questions to ask John. Does he know anything about Chris Rodriguez or Jordan Wright for that matter? They're both unavailable. And if a guy's not injured, he's not on the injury report, What's the difference between unavailable and suspended? If he's not on the injury report, if he's not home attending to a family funeral, right? What's the difference between unavailable and suspended? Because I think Mark Stoops is throwing around the word unavailable haphazardly this year, at least early this year. 
We'll tell you everything next week. That's like me saying I'll do it tomorrow to my wife. Can you uh, take the trash down to the, uh, to the trash can from the kitchen? Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. Tomorrow never comes, by the way. Tomorrow never shows up. It's always today. No matter where you're at, it is always today. Tomorrow is, tomorrow is, a, is a unicorn. It's a dream. It's not really a thing. So John Hill will join me in about 15 minutes. We'll talk all things UK football. Get ready for the weekend in college football. By the way, the college football playoff board of managers is having a virtual meeting tomorrow. I'm going to guess that's a Zoom meeting to discuss moving up an expanded playoff plan. The current plan lasts through the 2025 season. It's a contract with ESPN. They want to move on the playoff, expand it to 8, 12, 16. I don't know the number. 12 sounds right. 16 sounds possible. At this point, 8 doesn't sound like enough, which seems crazy. Because it wasn't that long ago, we just picked two teams and said they're playing for the national championship. There wasn't even a playoff. Now we got four. Now we want more. We want eight. Remember when the NCAA basketball tournament, March Madness, was 32 teams? Remember that? Then it went to 48, 64. Now it's 68. Soon maybe 128, question mark. It's just one more game. If you go 128. It's just one more game for each team to win. You got to win seven instead of six. It's all about the money. I say that all the time. The college football playoff committee has now realizes something that people told them five, six years ago. You're leaving hundreds of millions of dollars on the table here. You're leaving a whole lot of money that can be shared by you, your universities, the conferences, even maybe the players in the near future. You're leaving it all on the table. You're not taking advantage of the financial boon that would be a 16-team or a 12-team college football playoff. So they're meeting tomorrow. And if they decide to expand, look, you can throw contract at me all you want. All you want. Guys have contracts all the time. John Calipari had a contract at Memphis. He ends up at Kentucky. Right? Coaches, NFL players, Kevin Durant's got a four-year contract. He demanded a trade. They worked it out because nobody would trade for him. But the Nets tried to make the trade. They tried everything in their power to acquiesce to the demands of Kevin Durant, even though they have him under contract for the next four years. Contracts are made to be broken. There are buyouts. They are made to be broken. And ESPN may not like it. They may not like it. They may fight it, but this is going to happen. That's my opinion. It's not fact. My opinion is this is going to happen. 
You're not having a meeting about it tomorrow if you're not serious about it. There must be a unanimous decision by presidents and chancellors. That's the, that's the catch-22. Because what if Kansas football and the president of the University of Kansas says, nope, I disagree. Then it's not unanimous. It's not. What if Duke University's president? And I'm, I'm purposely throwing out non-football powers here. What if Rutgers says, eh, we don't like this? Now, none of them are going to say that because somebody more powerful or smarter will tell them you're turning down a whole lot of money. If the Big 12 gets a chunk of cash out of this, so does Kansas. If the ACC gets a chunk, so does Duke. They're not going to shy away from taking more money for the conference or for their own university. If you saw Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, on HBO Real Sports this past week. It runs all the time on HBO. Catch it if you can. Real Sports with Brian Gumble. Gumble interviewed the Big Ten commissioner. He's a smart guy. He's a very smart guy. And he realizes we're going to have to pay these players. Something we have to discuss. Something we have to talk about. And expansion is not over. League expansion is not over. Playoff expansion is not over. He's clear about these things. He's smart about these things. He knows it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. And if you're any of these universities, any of them, from Kentucky basketball all the way down to Kansas football, no offense to Kansas football. Well, actually, that seems like a lot of offense to Kansas football. I don't care who you are. You want more money. And that's what it's all about. And you can break these contracts. Don't tell me about a contract that you have with ESPN. There is always a buyout of a contract. And what you do is you make the next contract more favorable to ESPN. ESPN is going to say, look, we've got all the playoff games, and we want to keep all the playoff games. We are not going to allow you to do this because we have a contract with you that says ESPN gets all the football games. If you're the college football playoff managers, then you come back to ESPN and you say, fine, here's what we're willing to do. We're going to have a 16-team playoff. You're going to get half of the games, including the national championship game. And if you don't like that, and you don't want to renegotiate, then when 2025 is over, we are not going to let you be part of the party. We're not going to let you have any games. We're going to have a 16-team playoff in college football starting the following year, and it'll be on NBC and Fox Sports and ABC and CBS and any other entity you want to throw in there. And it won't be on the ESPN network of channels. It won't be on ABC because... ESPN, Disney owns ESPN and ABC. So there's your choice. Guess what ESPN's going to do? Okay. They're going to say, okay, as long as we get the championship game, right? Maybe we get the championship game in one semifinal. And CBS gets the other semifinal if it includes a, a you know, SEC team. But ESPN's getting SEC football. They're taking it away from CBS. 
But these are all negotiations, and no contract is unbreakable. This meeting happened last year. It happened last year. They didn't take a vote because they didn't have the votes to move it up to 2023. Because last year, these same college football playoff board of managers, same people, wanted to move it to 2023. They wanted to expand the playoff to more teams this season. And they didn't have enough support. They've got support now. They do. NIL has changed a lot of things. It has changed a lot of things. Because the argument before, the number one argument was always, that's too many games for these kids. These kids are students. Yeah, okay. That facade has been broken down. These kids are athletes first, period. Period. The smart ones, the ones who know they're not going to play professional football or basketball or baseball, go to class. They take advantage of the scholarships that they're offered, and they prepare for their future. The guys that are going to play at the next level, they're athletes who happen to be enrolled at a school. And they're getting NIL money. NIL money, NIL money, name, image, and likeness, is going to be the ultimate catalyst for an expanded playoff. Because these kids just want to play football. They don't want to go to class. The smart ones do go to class. The ones who realize this may not be their ultimate profession go to class and work on what will be their ultimate profession. Whether you're a backup offensive lineman or a you know third-string scout team quarterback, you go to class. You take advantage of the fact that you're on scholarship to learn your craft, whatever it may be, engineering, or whatever. French poetry, I don't know, whatever it is. But the guys that are the athletes that are going to play at the next level, they're fine playing another game. It's one more game, maybe two. And for most schools, it's no more games because you're still only talking 12 to 16 schools in the playoff. The bowl system will be incorporated so that the Poulin Weed Eater Bowl will be one of the playoff games. It'll be a first-rounder, obviously. The Sugar Bowl, the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, maybe the Cotton Bowl, those will still be, the Fiesta Bowl, those will still be the quarterfinal, semifinal games. It's really simple. It's really simple. These guys are meeting to expand the playoff to make more money to make the fans happy, to make the universities happy, to make the conference heads happy, to make the conferences happy. That's what it's all about. All right. Going to talk about Serena Williams after the break. That was fun last night. I'm not a tennis guy, but that was fun. Tony LaRusso news. The six-pack coming up. Russell Wilson as well. You're listening to Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X.
Welcome back. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage. John Spears in studio. Eminem Cartage hotline is open 384-1450. Thornton's text line open as well 502-414-1450. Bellarmine released their basketball schedule yesterday. Road games. Louisville, Clemson, Duke, Loyola Marymount, UCLA, and Kentucky. And they got Murray State coming to Freedom Hall. That's a fun, fun non-conference schedule. Well, maybe not fun for Scott Davenport, but that is fun. Let's go to the Eminem Cartage Hotline, bring in John Hale, Lexington Herald-Leader. Beat writer for Kentucky, I guess Kentucky football now. Is that right, John? That is correct. How are you doing today, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you happy about a night game on Saturday in the opener? Boy, that stinks, right? Yeah, I mean, I at this point, I'm just so eager to see them actually play a game. I'd probably guess <laughs> I'd go earlier or another. But our, our deadlines are so early now, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. Uh, hopefully the weather will be a little better. It seems like it's a little sketchy in Lexington on Saturday. There might be rain early in the day, so hopefully all that's out of the way. At least are you? Are you uh, sort of tired of these Mark Stoops press conferences? Ready for some football, or or just get away from these press conferences? Oh, very tired. I mean, I know Mark's <laughs> probably more tired of them than we are, but it's just this week is always really interesting because you know just the way things work. You do a lot of season preview content, and, and it's all kind of wrapped up by the beginning of the first game week. But then you have a whole other week, and there's not really much different. Like, nothing has changed since the end of camp. We you know, haven't seen them play a game. They didn't yeah. play another scrimmage on Saturday. And since almost every team opens the season now with you know some sort of uh, non-conference mid-major kind of opponent, the game itself is not super exciting. So I think I think players, coaches, reporters, fans, everybody's just ready to see them play a game at this point. Uh, it seemed bizarre Monday. Why so secretive? Why so clandestine about Chris Rodriguez, Jordan Wright, all these players that are unavailable? Why has he always been this secretive? I don't remember it being that way. Well, I mean, I think football coaches by nature are secretive. That is one thing. I mean, no matter how many times Mark says that he is uh, open with the media and tells us everything he knows, <laughs> that's just not how football coaches operate. And, you know, I don't really even expect them to operate that way. The interesting part with this specific situation, I think they would be served well served by giving some more information to kind of head off some of the rampant speculation that's out there. The one benefit of the doubt I will give them is if it's true that he does not actually know how long each player is going to be out yet, if that decision is being made above him, he said, I have bosses, they have bosses. If that decision is being made at the university level or the league or the NCAA or whatever, uh, and he doesn't know yet, he probably thinks that um, he doesn't want to do anything to prejudice, prejudice whatever that final decision is with public comment. So we'll see how that plays out. He said he'd address it next week. Uh, the thing that most surprised me that I thought was over the line was when my first question, I asked, obviously, Christian on the depth chart, you know, how long is the suspension? And he said, I expect we have some players who are going to be facing multiple game suspensions. And I said, well, you, will you tell us who's suspended? And he said, you said suspension. I didn't say suspension. Well, you did just say suspension. <laughs> so let's, let's, let's stop drawing this line between suspension and unavailable. I mean, uh, I think it's pretty clear that Mark thinks that um, if he had his, his choice, they'd probably be back pretty soon. But it, it appears that it's not just Mark's choice. The depth chart came out uh, that day. Uh, again, we know no Chris Rodriguez, no Jordan Wright, no Jatan McLean. Uh, what surprised you the most here? 
Well, McLean was on the depth chart as the backup kick returner, just to be clear. He just okay. wasn't listed at running back. So it's not it's not 100% clear as to whether that is a availability situation or if it's just they decide to list two running backs and that's what they're going to go with. Uh, with a new coach, a new offensive coaching staff, we don't really know what their philosophy is in terms of how deep they're willing to rotate guys at that position, You know, especially in this first game. So we'll see there. But the other things that stood out, um, they listed – Jagger Burton first at left guard and Kenneth Horsey second. And then Mark said that's only because Horsey's been hurt in camp. My understanding, he didn't play in either scrimmage. He hasn't really before, as of Monday, had not played in a couple weeks. That was interesting to me because I cannot remember a scenario where they listed an injured guy like that on the depth chart. Usually they either put it as an or as the starter if there's some uncertainty about his status, or they just don't put him on there at all. They know he's out for sure. My guess is they made sure to put even if they don't think he's going to play this weekend, Horsey on the depth chart, so no one would confuse him with these players who are dealing with you know the suspension or not suspension or whatever you want to call them. So that that was obviously interesting. I don't think there were any sort of surprises in terms of like starters, but we you know that David Wallabaugh is going to start at left tackle now. We know that Kedron Smith is going to start at cornerback, and uh, you know Alex Safari and Andre Phillips at nickel. The number of freshmen that were on there was expected, but you know, still good to see. Uh, maybe Barry M. Brown being listed as a starter was the closest thing as an actual surprise. Which one of these receivers uh, do you expect to be the guy, or will there be a the guy? It's an interesting question because I think there's an argument to be made that having more competent receivers can make the offense a little more dangerous than it was last year when you just had Wondell Robinson. But obviously, you would prefer all things being equal to have one no Robinson on your team. But <laughs> yeah. you know he's the guy. I think that Tavion Robinson, his you know kind of like for like replacement, the transfer from Virginia Tech, is going to be the top option. That's the guy that you know they said a few times this week. It's going to be hard to take him off the field. He's going to be out there a lot. I don't think he'll come anywhere close to what Wondell did last year and catches or receiving yards because they're going to throw it to those two freshmen down the field quite a bit. They're going to you know, play guys like Demarcus Harrison, Chauncey Magwood, too. The tight ends, if they're as good as they keep saying, are going to be active uh, parts of the passing game. I think in both scrimmages they had double-digit receptions as a position group. So I think it's going to be by committee, but if the one guy at the end of the year that you're saying, okay, maybe – they have an all-SEC kind of player. It's Tavion Robinson. Uh, talking to John Hale, Lexington Herald leader. Uh, what's the scouting report on Miami of Ohio? They're supposed to win their – or they're predicted to win their division uh, in the MAC. Yeah, I think the I think the media picked them to win their division and the coaches picked them second, whatever uh, we should make of that. But their quarterbacks, Brett Gabbert, he's Blaine Gabbert's little brother. Um, so that's of interest. He's apparently pretty confident. He's been playing for a while. Um, my understanding based – talking to Kentucky's defensive players and coaches yesterday is they expect them to try and take some shots down the field. They said that's that's kind of their philosophy. They want to take some deep shots. So that'll be an interesting test for Kentucky's secondary that you know got so much attention in the offseason as to whether that was a question. And UK's coaches seem to think it's not much of a question anymore. They're pretty confident in that group. So it'll be interesting to see how that matchup plays out. But to me, in these openers, when you're playing an SEC versus MAC game, regardless of how good the MAC team is, a lot of it is going to come down to like what is the rust level, what is the hype level, how do these freshmen who are going to play a lot handle their first you know, SEC stadium. I don't think it's going to be sold out, but it's going to be pretty full. And how do you deal with 50,000 people in the stands for the first time in your life? Those things are all important. And we know that at times Kentucky has struggled in these openers against smaller schools before. They didn't do that last year. They came out and made a statement and 
I'm sure they want to make, make a statement this year, but it wouldn't shock me if it was closer than people want at halftime and it took three quarters for it to, to be decided. Well, I don't, I don't know if you're a point spread guy or not, but this thing went from 20 and a half to 16 pretty quickly. Uh, that tells me the smart money or the, the, the big money is on Miami of Ohio. Any explanation for that? I, I, I'd have to look at the specific timing, but the first I had heard of the, the point spread coming down was right after the suspension news yeah. on Monday. Yeah. So I think that's got to play a role in it. People saying like they don't have their best running back, who's the, the you know, top returning rusher in the SEC. They don't have you know arguably their best pass rusher, one of their two best pass rushers. That might be worth four points. I actually don't think – I mean, I think this week Jordan Wright's actually probably a bigger loss than Chris Rodriguez yeah. because – they they're probably going to play nickel most of the game and and just have one outside linebacker out there. But any scenario where they need two on the field, it's going to be JJ Weaver and a true freshman who Brad White made it sound like yesterday is probably not ready to play yet. They're just hoping that, that they can bring those guys along as the season progresses. Whereas at running back between Cavazzi Smoke and Ramon Jefferson and McLean, if he's available and Lavelle Wright, they've got plenty of options there to handle a, a MAC level defense. So. Um, it's actually Jordan Wright who I think might be the bigger loss this week. And actually on the depth chart, they list four uh, down linemen, two linebackers, and five defensive backs. Uh, they don't even list three linebackers as starters. I think they they list – They got they, the nickel list, back there. Right, but I think they, they list J.J. Weaver, DeAndre Square, and Jock West Jones all as starters. So two inside guys and one outside guy. Uh, that Jack Yeah, linebacker I'm sorry. I'll take it back. Weaver, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that they did that a lot last in the second half of last season too. After Jordan Wright got hurt, just because they didn't have any bodies at outside linebacker to put yeah. two of them out there. But part of the selling point all camp has been Weaver and, and Wright are both healthy again. They can play their base three four defense more, and, and that's obviously not going to be the case this week. Any of the captains named, and there are seven of them. Any of those, uh, and I know they're player named. Uh, surprise you at all? Yeah, I mean, it surprised me that Chris Rodriguez and Jordan Wright were yeah. both on the list. I mean, <laughs> that seems to be a, a pretty bold statement because, you know, whether the players vote them captains or not, the coaches have the final say. And we know that that has been a punishment in the past. There was um, there was a couple years ago where a player got his captainship taken away for a game. That was his official punishment for some rules violation. And so we know they can do that. And so to come out in two days after we find out they're – those guys are not available or suspended or whatever you want to call it to name them both captains for the season. That seems like a pretty big vote of confidence from Mark Stoops and those two players and, and where he's siding in this. So I thought it was certainly a note. But is it a statement of the players saying, hey, look, uh, we believe in our teammates here? And Mark Stoops saying, well, okay then? I'm, I'm sure that there's part of that. I'm, and I'm, I'm certain that the players, based on everything we've, we've heard from them since, uh, you know, back, dating back all the way to SEC media days, there does not appear to be any ill will towards Chris Rodriguez for whatever the situation is right wow. now. So that's that's interesting of itself. I mean, even if you want to take away what this second issue is, that is much talked about and not uh, no one has specified or confirmed what it is. I mean, he did plead guilty to a DUI this summer too. That in and of itself might the punishment could be you don't get to be a team captain. So. I think that is Mark Stoops sending the statement and saying, Chris Rodriguez is my guy, and regardless of all the speculation and criticism out there, we're going to stand by him. If you had to bet a week's salary, does he play at Florida? No. Uh, that I, I think Rodriguez is out 
for at least the first two games. Uh, Mark said it, he thought one of them would be back next week. I think that's probably Jordan Wright. Okay. And then he keeps he said multiple players, so we don't know if it's more than those two. It's possible that guys who we did not expect to be on the depth chart are also involved, but sure. we just won't ever know if they didn't play because they weren't ready to play or were suspended or were injured. Those kind of things just never come up. I saw your story uh, talking to John Hale, Lexington Herald leader this morning. How big is Will Levis now? He's big. I mean, he's he's pretty stacked out there. I mean, is he linebacker uh, big? He could play linebacker, I think, if he wanted to. <laughs> I mean, certainly. I mean, we we saw those clips last year where he jumped over a guy or ran through a guy. Um, I think Tim Tebow seems to be like the closest kind of physical comparison to him, and and Will's taller than Tebow is, I think. But just that kind of thick running uh, power quarterback is is rare and clearly his teammates because i asked them all what their first impressions of will when he showed up in lexington were and basically every one of them said something about how big he was so uh, it, it's certainly known is there a national underrating of will levis right now is he is he even after last year is he still nationally not locally but nationally flying under the radar a little bit it's it's a fun debate because i think the the draft stuff, so that came out, what, after the 22 draft in April, those mock drafts start coming out almost yeah. immediately after that's finished. And so when he starts popping up on all these first-round draft mock drafts, there's this kind of weird dynamic where those drafts are talking about future potential. They're drafting on who they think has the skill set to develop an NFL star. They're not drafting on who's the best college quarterback because there's no argument that Will Levis was one of the five best college quarterbacks last year, or one of the five best returning just based on his stats so far. But these guys are saying he's got the arm strength and the mobility and all these other things, the size, to project him to take those leaps forward. So if he makes that jump this year and, and he's that good, certainly he will be in the conversation for all of those you know quarterback of the year awards kind of things. But as of right now, he hasn't done that yet. And so I felt like for most of the summer – after those mock drafts came out, there was a, a very dynamic like pushing back from national media. Like, Will Levis isn't actually this good. He's getting too much hype. And so now it's almost like he was getting too much hype early in the summer, and now there's this, this whole chip on his shoulder. Like, uh, so many people came out to say he's not actually that good to where I think he might be underrated again. So it's been a, it's been a fun back and forth to follow this summer. You can uh, go to Kentucky.com, read uh, John's stuff on Lexington Herald Leader. Uh, John, have fun Saturday. Appreciate your time as always. Thanks for having me. John Hale, Lexington Herald leader, beat writer for Kentucky football. That was an E on me. As I look at this depth chart of Kentucky, it's a little weird because they list the outside linebacker on the defense first, and then they list the three, the two, the defensive end, nose guard, defensive tackle. Then they go back to two more linebackers. So that's an E me. That's an error. Can we, uh, can we, can we uh, cut that out, Dave? Is that possible? Any change? No. All right. That's live radio, folks. That's what happens when the when the host doesn't do his research duties. I right, will talk about Serena Williams on the other time. Tony Larusa, Russell Wilson, and the unsponsored six pack coming up after the break. You're listening to Spears on Sports, presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big Ass.
Beers on Sports. Welcome back. Final segment of the week. No show tomorrow. I'm uh, playing in the Big X Golf Scramble tomorrow morning, so uh, I won't be available. And then, of course, Monday's Labor Day. Long, long football weekend. Looking forward to it. Indianapolis beat the Bats last night 6-2 down at Slugger Field. Back in action tonight, 6:35 pitch, uh, first pitch tonight, 6:05 pregame with Nick Kerr and Jim Kelch. Hunter Green on rehab will get the start on the mound for the Louisville Bats tonight. Um, expected to head back to Cincinnati uh, if all goes well tonight. Speaking of uh, radio, Indiana Illinois tomorrow, right here on the Big X, seven o'clock pregame with Don Fisher, and eight o'clock kickoff, Indiana hosting Illinois. Opener for the Hoosiers, second game for the Illini, a Big Ten opener, of course, for both schools. Again, 7 o'clock pregame right here tomorrow night on the Big X. St. X and Mail, our game uh, will be moved to our friends over at WFIA 94.7 FM. 645 will be on the air for a 7 o'clock kickoff tomorrow night. St. X at Mail, rematch of last year's 6A state title game that the Sandex Tigers won 31-21. to So uh, please make a note. Uh, some news and notes before I get to the unsponsored six-pack. Russell Wilson got his contract extension with the Denver Broncos five years, $245 million in that five-year extension. If you want, to, want me to do the math for you, that's $49 million per season. Um making him the second-highest per-season quarterback behind Aaron Rodgers. However, unlike Deshaun Watson's contract and Kyler Murray's, it is not all guaranteed money here. Only, and I use that word laughingly, only $165 million guaranteed in the Russell Wilson contract, and he's locked up now for Denver for the next seven years. He'll be 41 at the end of this contract. Uh, Tony LaRusso out indefinitely undergoing medical tests in Arizona. The Chicago White Sox manager is 77. The Sox did win last night, but they're going nowhere fast. It certainly doesn't appear they're going to make the playoffs, and they were favorites to win the American League Central at the beginning of the year. Tony LaRusso, I, I wish him well. I hope his health is okay. And even if it is, I don't think he's back as manager of the Chicago White Sox next season. Did you watch the tennis last night? Because I did. And it was riveting. Absolutely. And I'm not a tennis guy. My buddy Randall L., if he's listening to this, he knows I'm not a tennis guy. The uh, U.S. Open last night, by the way, across the street from City Field, as Tony Burke reminds me, where the Mets were beating the Dodgers 2-1. to one. Uh, Jacob DeGrom with the win, two-run homer by Starling Marte. And it's crazy. I'm Timmy Trumpet it out. I don't want to see Timmy Trumpet anymore. Timmy Trumpet plays the song Narco. That is the song that uh, Edwin Diaz, the closer, marches into from the bullpen. And for the last two nights at City Field, Timmy Trumpet has been there to actually either play or act like he's playing the trumpet while they're playing his music over the loudspeaker. Maybe he's really playing. I don't know. I'm skeptical, but, uh, you know, it's a, it's a guy playing a trumpet and he's never, he's from, I want to say Australia, Tony, you can 
If you're listening, you can correct me on that. Never been to a baseball game in his life until two nights ago. And he is the toast of the town in Queens right now. But in Queens, the big story last night was Serena Williams. She defeated the second seed in the U.S. Open. Remember, this is her swan song. She's leaving. Nobody expected her to win last night. She beat Annette Contaveta, Contavite, 7-6-2-6-6-2. She's 40. Young Annette, second ranked in the world, who's won five tournaments this year, is 26. She's probably old for a tennis player at 26. But they, nobody thought she was going to win last night. And it was, it was great. You didn't have to watch the points. Because after each point, you could tell who won the point by the crowd reaction. Every point Serena won roars. Every point Annette Contavate won crickets. Uh, you know, polite golf clapping. That's, all, that's what she got. There were 2.7 million viewers last night. Same time slot as last year. This is four times as many viewers as last year. That's unheard of. And Serena now advances to the third round. She'll play Friday night. She'll play today doubles with her sister Venus. Venus got knocked out in the first round of the singles. But Venus said, you know, she wanted to play one more time, one more go round. So I said, okay. Venus is a little bit older than Serena. Um, but that was fun, and everybody showed up. Spike Lee was there. Tiger was there. Tiger Woods got a lot of airtime last night, and he is jacked up. He is jack- He wore the medium shirt on purpose last night because I think he knew it. he was sitting in the uh, Serena Williams box there. I think he knew he was going to get some airtime. So uh, time to show off the guns, right? His leg might not look good, but, man, he is jacked up. But uh, Serena, and at the end of the match, the the awkward question to her was, "Did you expect to play at this high of a level?" And she she didn't know what to say. She sort of snickered and smiled and kind of sheepishly said, "Well, you know, I, I I'm Serena. I'm still pretty good. You know, yes, she was number two in the world, but I'm I'm Serena. And now, if you bought." An overinflated ticket for last night's match. I think they were going for eight grand, the good seats, or higher. Then you didn't get to see Serena's last match. Now you got to spend eight grand and buy another ticket for for tomorrow night. Ah, well done, well done. Texture says, "I know football is a hot topic right now, but is there anything better than Edwin Diaz coming in to close Mets games? No, there's not. There's nothing better." But I don't need to see the performance by Timmy Trumpet, which is a goofy name in the first place. Timmy Trumpet. Texter continues, his walk to the mound with that trumpet playing is something special. I saw they brought in a live trumpet player. No, they didn't just bring in a live trumpet player. They brought in the guy whose song it is from Australia. Mets Dodgers, I'm telling you, if they play in the National League Championship Series, and I think they will, it is going to be bonkers fun. It's going to be great theater. Great theater. All right, let's get to the uh, unsponsored six-pack. Dave, we're going to have to get some music for this next week. I get some music. Something, something. Uh, I don't want to say uh, generic, something upbeat. I don't want Timmy Trumpet, all right? 
So if you play Narco by Timmy Trumpet, I may just get up and walk out of the studio. All right? All right, but here we go. At least a drum roll at some point. (laughs) I promised I'd pick the four local games. I am not going to disappoint. Let's start with tonight's game. I will be there, Penn State at Purdue. Penn State, a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, You got two veteran quarterbacks here, Aiden O'Connell back for the Boilermakers and uh, Sean Clifford, who seems like he's been at Purdue forever, former uh, quarterback out of Cincinnati, high school quarterback out of Cincinnati, gets a start for Penn State. I'm taking the points here. I think it comes down to a three-point game either way, so if I'm going to get three-and-a-half, then I'm going to get three-and-a-half. Give me Penn State on the road. Purdue has been great in games like this where they – have a really good opponent, and it's national television. I remember the Ohio State game from a couple of years ago where they blew out the Buckeyes. Uh, Jeff Brom has a, a way of getting his team ready for these kind of games. Uh, I worry about the wide receiver spot. I do. David Bell is gone. Uh, Milton Wright, not at uh, Purdue anymore. I worry about that. They have a, I, love, I love the quarterback, and Jeff Brom's the quarterback whisperer. I get it. Um, I think Penn State's going to line up with Clifford, throw the short pass, and try to run the football. And can the Purdue defense come up big tonight? That's the big question. So give me Penn State plus the three and a half. I certainly hope the Boilermakers win the game, but um, it's still Penn State. Even though neither team is ranked here, it's still Penn State. Tomorrow night, Illinois at Indiana. Uh, Advantage Illini here because they've got a game under their belt. And while I know they played Wyoming, who's not exactly, you know, top of the league in college football, top of the world, Illinois looked impressive. They did everything right. They didn't turn the ball over. They didn't have silly pre-snap, false start, offsides, illegal motion penalties. They didn't have after-the-whistle penalties. Uh, They ran the ball well. And again, I know it's Wyoming. They looked the part. It didn't look like Illinois from the last five years. Indiana's struggling. Last year, they did not cover in 10 of their last 11 games. That's called a trend. And I think it continues. Keep in mind, this game was a three-point spread as, as recently as yesterday. It's now one and a half. Indiana has dropped to a one and a half point favorite. I'm going to take Illinois here in the points. I think they win the game. Now, in my preseason picks a couple of weeks ago, I had Indiana winning this game. But I've changed my mind. I've changed my mind. If they don't win this game, if they don't win this game, there is a chance Indiana only wins one or two games this year. Uh, Tough time to have a conference opener, but I like Illinois here with a game under their, their belt. They've been on the stage already. Indiana has not. Give me the Illini plus the point and a half. Boy, local local teams are going to hate me. Or they're going to love me because I usually pick wrong. You know, Maybe they're going to love me here. Um, Saturday, Miami. Uh, yeah, Penn State's the favorite. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Penn State is the favorite. That's a great text. I'm taking Purdue in the points. I'm taking the points one way or the other. But – Penn State, I think it's a three-point game, like I said. All right, Miami and Kentucky, Miami, not, not that Miami, the other Miami, the Mac Miami, the Miamis of Ohio. 
16 is now the spread. It was 20 and a half when it came out earlier in the week. That's a big movement of a line. That's a huge movement. Um, I had a huge movement this morning, by the way. But that is a big line change in football. I'm taking Miami. Now, as John Hale pointed out, Kentucky took care of business in a big way against Mac opponents last year. But traditionally, Kentucky, especially under Mark Stoops, has had very close games and even lost games in the past against Mid-American Conference opponents. I'm taking the 16 here. Kentucky's going to win this game, but it just feels like one of those games that they come out, they're jacked up, they're all fired up, they score the first touchdown, and then the adrenaline drops, and you sleepwalk through the rest of the game. You win the game, but it's not an impressive win. Kentucky's going to have to win this game on defense. They're going to have to win it on defense. There's no Chris Rodriguez here. You got new receivers. Maybe they're talented. Two of the three starters are freshmen at the wide receiver spot. Um, Jatah McClain, not listed as a backup running back. Maybe Ramon Jefferson's just better, but it remains to be seen. I think it's a lot closer than people think. Maybe a 10-point game here, so give me Miami in the points. Louisville and Syracuse on the road. It's another one of those road conference openers. Difficult because you haven't played against anybody other than your own defense if you're the offense or your own offense if you're the defense. I'm going to take Louisville here, and I'll tell you why. I believe in Malik Cunningham. If Malik Cunningham is on the field, I believe in the Louisville Cardinals. I do. I do only think they're going to win five games this year. I think they've got difficult road games. I think the ACC Atlantic Division, the quarterbacks are really, really good for the most part. Hopefully Sam Hartman gets back for Wake Forest. By the way, Wake Forest without Sam Hartman tonight is a 32-point favorite over VMI. But I digress. Dino Babers is on the hot seat, but so is Scott Satterfield. The Cards are going to try to run the football a lot tonight. They've got a, a host of running backs they can go to. And if Malik Cunningham plays non-turnover football, this can be a really explosive offense. I think it's a shootout. Uh, Saturday night in Syracuse. I think it's a shootout. I'm going to say 42 to 37. Does that cover? Yeah, that's four. That's five. I'm going to say 42 to 37, and I'm going to give the cards the advantage there minus the four and a half. So there you go. Those are the uh, four local teams Miami plus 16 against Kentucky, Louisville minus four and a half against Syracuse, Illinois plus one and a half against Indiana, and Purdue plus three and a half against Penn State. Uh, the other two games I'm going to take, national interest here, ranked teams, Notre Dame at Ohio State is the first one. It's 17. This game started at 14, went to 17. Give me, uh, give me Notre Dame and the points. Why not? They keep it close. And pick of the week, Tony gave it to you yesterday. Arkansas minus six at home, six and a half against Cincinnati. Four-day weekend. We'll recap all of these games on Tuesday. Thanks for listening. Spears on Sports presented by Eminem Cartage on the Big X. WXVW, Jeffersonville.